The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Empower yourself and get inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Dr. Drayvon James and this is Everyday Peace. I am super excited to be here with you today as we explore the concept of living a life of peace every day. Peace defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. Can you even imagine living today in that space? My goodness, I'm here to tell you that yes, everyday peace is possible. Yes, you deserve everyday peace. And yes, you can have everyday peace. Peace. We work together on this show to bring you the topics and the guests to partner with you as you create your life of peace every day. And if you missed last week's show, my goodness, you miss Sebastian Siegel. He is a director, actor, and writer. And he was on our show discussing his film, Grace and Grit which is available everywhere. If you have Amazon TV, Showtime, Apple TV, this movie is phenomenal. I highly recommend it to you. It's um, an epic love story. It's a true story. And it mirrors the stage, the different stages of love. It is phenomenal. I call it my ugly cry movie because uh, it's yeah, there are tears and you just, I couldn't stop crying. But I was so happy doing at the end of the movie. And I uh, I encourage you, if you have not seen Grace and Grit, you owe it to yourself to explore some the whole the whole spectrum of love. That's what that film does. So if you can catch that interview in all of our past shows by subscribing to the Dr. Drayvon James Everyday Peace podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and you can listen on the unityonlineradio.org website. So another great place to find out what's going on in the world of Dr. Drayvon James and Everyday Peace is to visit our new and improved website. That website is drdrayvonjames.com. You'll find um, inspirational items there. You'll find our freebies. So we have right now uh, some free uh, free material out there about self-esteem and self-confidence, about building a life of your passion. You'll find excerpts from my book, Freedom is Your Birthright. So I encourage you to visit that site frequently. Uh, I, I do FAQs of when I get questions asked to me on my come to me via email, but you can also put those questions there on the website and, we'll, and someone will respond to you very quickly. So uh, FAQ that I got last week is about our uh, web webinar that we put on our masterclass and that masterclass is over, but we have a new one coming out shortly. So please stay tuned to the website for the dates on that. We also have a leadership boot camp coming up for you. So stay tuned to the website for that. Uh, as you all know, we are talking about our anthem this year. We're focusing on the anthem and the year's rolling down. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for to, to create a 
the life of our dreams. We got some fabulous guests here today that are going to help you unpack some of that. But before we get to that, I want to just give you a little information about our everyday peace moment. Our focus this week is on gratitude, just like it was last week. And I want to give you this tip that I use to stay in this space of gratitude. I open my eyes first thing in the morning and I grab a little index card from my nightstand and I write down three things on one side of the card about the past, yesterday specifically. Three things about yesterday that I'm grateful for. And then I turn that card over and I write down three things, three intentions that I'm setting for today. Three things that have not yet happened, but I'm grateful for them in advance. So I encourage you to do this. It's a, my, I call it my active gratitude card because I allow myself to feel into that space and become totally excited about what happened yesterday and totally jazzed about what's going to happen today. It's called an active gratitude card. I give that to you. I hope that it will help you as you build your gratitude practice. Today, we have some fabulous guests with us today. Our first guest today is Dr. Anna Harvey, affectionately known as Dr. Phenomenon. You'll hear about more about that in just a minute. She is a teacher of self-empowerment and development. She's a motivational teacher, a former psychology professor. She has spent decades researching the power of energy, in particular vibrational frequencies to help people create not only the life that they need, but the future they want to face. We are so excited to have you on the show today, Dr. Harvey. Thank you so much. I am thrilled to be here. And, and, and I just wanted to stress how much I appreciate the title of your show. Everyday peace is so achievable to everyone. We're all 100% energy, and you can create that peace in your life. Anyone can. So I just I love that message because it's truly attainable for everyone. It, the happiness, the joy, the, the peace of the mind and heart is so attainable to everyone. And by that title, you are reminding them that it is there for them that all they have to do is just put out that intention and live in a higher frequency, and truthfully, it will come. That's how energy works. You see, energy is completely impartial. Energy is non-judgmental. Energy only responds to frequency because we're all 100% energy, and we're all vibrating at a secret frequency. So what is in your mind really creates the images. Your thoughts create images, and images react by activating feelings and if you can align your thoughts in the mind with the images in the mind and support that with the feelings whatever in your heart is desired the energy has no choice but to deliver so i love the title and i'm so glad that you are reminding people that you know peace is everything you know if you have peace in your life you will have a happy life, and that life is achievable. So thank you. Thank you for that. I love the title. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. And I love that. We're starting off strong and fast because uh, and I, to our listeners, I hope you got this nugget. If you align your thoughts and your images, you can create that. That's oh, I love it. And you're right. Energy is always in motion. So this is, this is going to be a fascinating topic that we have for us today. Talk to us. Um, we'll start off by talking about your, your book. Um, only good comes to me. I love that. Only I love good that. comes to me. Thank you. Well, it's actually <laughs> true because I've I've realized that you can create 
not only the life that you want, but anyone can create the future that they want to have. Only Good Comes to Me is my fourth book. Um, in my past life, I was a college professor. I'm a psychology professor. I'm a doctor of psychology, and I have been teaching psychology for, you know, over a decade when I finally realized that psychology, as much as it answers and assists people in how to explain behavior and how to change and modify certain thinking patterns, only goes so far. You really have to work with energy if you want to create your life. And the way to do that is with alignment. And again, I cannot stress enough, thoughts transform to images. Images activate feelings. And feelings activate those vibrational frequencies that bring forth whatever is in your mind into your physical reality. Because we're all 100% energy, and energy only responds to the signals that you are sending. So let's say you made a mistake, and you are continuously living that mistake over and over, repeating that in your mind. You know, a year goes by, two years goes by, and you are still stuck in that mode of reliving that past mistake. All the energy can do is bring you that energy in return. This is why people feel anxious and sad and depressed even years after something that they consider a mistake has happened. But what a mistake really is, it's just energy. It's a learning opportunity for you to understand that this came into your life for a reason. And it really is for your self-empowerment and growth. So to be stuck in that energy and continuously think about that mistake, you are not growing from it. That mistake that you made was there as an opportunity for you to learn from and make, make you stronger. So you are to take whatever, whatever that, that mistake was and transmute it into I understand what happened. Yes, it was stupid on my part. There were all of these consequences, but I've learned so much from it. And I'm able to transmute that into a higher power for myself now and stop thinking about it. Shut the door on that energy. The more you think about that, the more you think about that situation, that is what you'll continuously draw to you. Which, again, this is why years after the fact, people are still angry. People are still anxious because those very thoughts and emotions and images in the mind bring that energy to you. Again, energy is completely impartial. It's non-judgmental. It only responds to the thoughts in your mind because that's what, what triggers and activates those emotions. You know, forgiveness is a very powerful word, but it's also a very powerful tool. Many people find that forgiving themselves is actually even a lot harder than forgiving others. And that is because they have not looked at the things that are happening in their life that they have perceived as negative, as hurtful, as painful, that they're there simply as energy. Pain is nothing but a lower vibrational frequency. That's all pain is. And if you take the label pain away from that situation and you realize that this is just energy that must be managed, you are taking away the hurt and replacing it with a higher thought and a higher behavior and a higher emotional and mental pattern where you can, where you can literally transform your life by not being stuck in the lower energy of your past mistakes. Does that make sense? Oh, I, it makes so much good sense. And I want, I want to say this. I got so much to say because you're just 
wowing me here. Um, first of all, I thank you for having your doctorate degree in psychology. And I want to tell you why, because what we're talking about here, we're talking about energy. And sometimes people turn a deaf ear if they don't have this highly credentialed individual, like, oh, this quack, this is, you know, woo-woo. But you and I both know that it's not woo-woo. And our listeners know that it's not woo-woo. And the fact that you represent, you know, the established thought of pattern psychology and even still can say yes. I can tell you, know, you that everything I, I is like energy. Take, I would like to be very happy with, with your, you know, accolades. But I actually have four degrees. I also have two masters in addition to the doctorate. And I would just like to say something about those credentials. Credentials are simply a piece of paper. You can learn everything that is in my mind by yourself. So <sighs> it's, you know, people, and, and this is what I found through the numerous seminars and workshops that I give. Do you know that the majority of the people that are in my seminars do not have a degree, yet they are vibrating much higher than the people that do? I do. I absolutely do know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's so true. It's very true. Sometimes people, when you have a lot of credentials, you know, credentials also tend to wipe out individual thought and squish your own creativity because you are so entrenched in scholarly work as opposed to what is really resonating for you. Everybody's so individually different, not in terms of frequency, although the frequencies are different. Everybody vibrates at a different speed. This is why you see things the way that you do. Everything and everyone is vibrating at a certain pattern, at a certain speed. And this is why you see the phone that you do, because it's vibrating at a lower energy. People are vibrating at a higher energy. But your looks, everything, everything you can see, touch, or, or ever has been produced or manufactured is all vibrating. It is all energy vibrating at a certain pattern. So, when you are entrenched in scholarly work, sometimes you lose touch with who you are as a person and your own creativity. So, yes, I do have a lot of degrees, and they have been extremely helpful. But it's also because I have a lot of degrees I've decided to leave academia because I realize that you cannot teach the, the, the material that I teach in academia. It's simply, A, not, not really acceptable, because, you know, energy, unless you're, you know, you're, you're dealing with a lot of scientific facts and physics, you may be able to, to really share some of that material in those classes, but you cannot apply it to things like intent. You apply it to things that um, corporations can use to sell product or develop product. It's not about developing the soul. It's not about personal growth. It's not about personal enrichment. So, and, and I'm finding that the people who don't have a lot of credentials, they are so empowered through their own personal growth because they have not been, and I'm, I'm using the word tainted loosely because it's really not tainted, but they haven't been exposed to so many other ideas that everyone preaches are correct when we all know that what is correct is what is individually in your soul and your own individual soul pattern, your own purpose in life. This is why intent is so powerful because you have to be connected to your soul, to your spirit. Okay. And I really like to use this, that, you know, soul and spirit are really two different things. Um, The soul is, 
the actual uh, part of the person that's apart from the ego in a human life. Spirit is something that lives on the other side. So we're walking around with, with a soul here on earth, fulfilling our purpose, fulfilling our dharma, knowing full well that our spirit is actually with higher consciousness. It's, you know, we are always connected to that source consciousness. But a lot of people use that interchangeably, you know, and that's fine. Right. I, mm-hmm. I don't mean to make that distinction. But I just wanted, I just wanted to make the distinction, not that it's, it's you know, it's, it's necessary to understand that. But the reason that I'm bringing this up is when people are entrenched in things that are very worldly, they lose the connection to spirit that pure connection to spirit. So this is why I'm finding that a lot of people in my seminars are actually vibrating much, much higher because they've had the opportunity to actually work on themselves and work on their soul and, and, and the actual spirit part of life, the spiritual energy. Because you could only go so far with your mental and emotional patterns. You have to have a strong spiritual background. And here I don't mean religious. I just mean a belief system in yourself and in the source in the energy, because all that is, is God, okay, but, it, but the word God, again, is a label, and I don't like to use the word God, because it's really a source consciousness. When you use the word God, people have so many different visions of God, that it kind of, it, it, they lose the meaning, and it, what you're really talking about is the source consciousness of all that is, and all that is includes everything and everyone, because, again, it's all energy. It's just our vibrational speed makes us different from each other in terms of appearance and, and how we're behaving and, in, you know, an object, nature. It's all vibrating at different levels, but ultimately it is all source because it comes from that energy, and we're all a part of that energy. This is why everyone is God and, get, and can create as God. That's the beautiful part, and that's my message at my seminars when I teach vibrational frequency. My classes consist of how to identify your own personal vibrational frequency. Where are you vibrating really? Not where you think, but where are you vibrating really? And I have all of these assessments that actually gauge as to where you are vibrating. Because, you know, you have to know where you are vibrating on a mental level. Where are you vibrating on an emotional level, on a physical level, on a spiritual level? Because, you know, every one of those consciousness fields has a different frequency. But it's the combined collective uh, frequency that matters. Because you can be very smart, you can be very intelligent and logical. But if you're emotionally immature or you're really vibrating where you need to be. You know, so part of my work is to enlighten people and to figure out where are they vibrating. That, that's why my book is so vital, because it assists people to identify their own personal vibrational frequency, and it teaches them how to increase it, how to, how to vibrate higher, because it is only through a higher vibrational frequency that you can draw to you what you desire. It is only through energy that you can take the thoughts in your mind and bring them into your physical reality it can't be any other way that's how everything in life is created okay uh, you know the empire state building was first built in a thought right before it could be brought forth from the mind into a physical reality there has to be an alignment there and this and that's true for everything and everyone this is how god creates it all starts in the consciousness and then it, it is, and it is brought forth into our physical world. So 
my message is find out where you are vibrating because that is going to help you to create not only the life that you want, but the future that you want to face because anything in your mind can be brought forth into your physical reality. If you can align with that desire and bring it forth to you. So that is why it's so important. And intent, you mentioned intent before. Intent must be pure. Whenever you are vibrating high, the ego is silent. And, you know, the ego takes a lot of flack. As a psychology professor, I always feel like I have to defend the ego because everyone says, oh, you know, we have to eliminate the ego. You know, the ego is a very important part of life. Without the ego, you, you know, the ego, the ego tries to protect you a lot. You know, it is through the ego that um, you may not be hurt because the ego will not allow you to move forward in certain areas because it tries to protect you. But the ego can also be your worst enemy if you don't know how to control it. So when you, when you make friends with the ego and think from the higher vibration by telling the ego your own personal self, which is, you know, a part of your innate personality. It's a characteristic trait, which is different than your soul energy. It's a character. If you tell your ego, I only want to do things for not only my higher good, but for everybody else's higher good, and get into that pattern of thinking, the ego is going to fall in with that idea. And you will find that not only is going to protect you, but it's actually going to assist you how to be a better person, how to work with others better. So, and that's all part of that emotional um, consciousness field that I, that I discussed briefly before I teach how to do that as well. Because, you know, human beings are very complex animals. They really are. And you have to be able to understand that if you created your hell, if you, if you do not like where you are living right now, in terms of your own mental space, and if you do not have peace and joy and prosperity in your life, if you are miserable in any way, shape, or form, you know, you have to be held accountable for that. In some way, shape, or form, you have created that. The good news right. is and, if you And I'm going to break in one second, Dr. Harvey. We, we have a caller who's been on the line for a minute who wants to ask you a question. Okay. I, and we have just a few minutes. I don't want to uh, miss this call. Hello. I just wanted Thank to you make, for calling. Make sure that... Go ahead. Hello. Hi. Yes, thank you. Thank you for holding. You're on with Dr. Harvey. Hi, hi. So I had um, two comments. I'm going to make them brief because um, any questions that I had, Dr. Harvey answered them. But she made oh, thank um, you. a lot of great, a lot of great. You're welcome. A lot of great points. But two of them that really stood out to me was um, the first one when she talked about academia because I teach or I have taught like criminal justice in the college. And I know one of the things that I found when I when I talk to my students, I tell them from the very beginning, I said, everything that we're going to learn in this textbook, you could teach yourself. So I said, I'm not, I'm here for that because there is a purpose that has to be served in terms of, you know, requirements. But I said, but I want to get you to think at a higher level about things and how they resonate within you. And the students love that because I just don't do it from a textbook perspective because I know they could do that themselves. And so I feel like if you're there to teach, in addition to meeting requirements, you, you should have a, a desire to help students get to a higher level of critical thinking, and not critical thinking in terms of how we've been taught, but true critical thinking as you're talking about. The second thing that you said um, that I thought 
really brought to me um, the whole concept of ignorance is bliss because the more you know, particularly when you're degreed, as you said, and the three of us here are degreed, the more you have with a degree, if you let that self bog you down and think that that is the true measure of intelligence and a true measure of having an understanding about life and things, you'll always be bogged down. And I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. I mean, Malcolm X had an eighth-grade education. He's one of the most brilliant men ever to live because he thought and he and he tried to expand his mind and his thinking. So it was really, um, I mean, I could talk about everything you said because it was so great, but it was really, 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 really good. And then also, too, I appreciate the fact that you're a New Yorker because I'm one, too. So that's, <laughs> Brooklyn, that's USA. <laughs> that's a great thing. I'm from Mount Vernon, so that's a great thing. Oh, I know exactly. You're Westchester County, right? Westchester County, yes, yes, yes. Well, thank great you so much for calling. Game. Great show. Oh, you're, it's my pleasure to bring it to you. Thank you for being hey, an you know, everyday peacemaker. Go, I just wanted to make a quick point before he went off the line. Um, I really appreciate the fact that you're, you're, you know, you're an instructor and a professor, and, and that's such a wonderful thing. But as instructors, you know, we have to remember that we, we teach for schools, and we are bound by all kinds of guidelines. You really can't, can't, teach, you can't teach outside of the, the textbook. You really can't. Um, that's there, there are great consequences if you, if you went into a classroom and started talking about the sole purpose. You know, it's just it's, no, it's, so, it's so I, I, I try to sneak it in like, like very subtly <laughs> with, with that sort of stuff. <laughs> yes. Well, well thank you again. so much. I appreciated your comments. You're and welcome. once again, we're t our special guest today is Dr. Anna Harvey, and we're discussing her book, um, only good comes to me. You and we have just about a minute left, but I want to go back to this really quick point because I know that there's a listener who needs to hear this again. You said that pain is a lower uh, vibrational frequency, and that they that can be switched. We have about ten seconds. How can they switch their pain frequency? Very easily, switch your thought pattern. Don't label it as pain. Label it as a learning experience. Same holds true for anger. It, it, you know, it holds true for un, be, not being able to, uh, to forgive. Those are just labels. You can't think of life in labels. The minute you think of life in labels, you are switching into a lower vibration of frequency, and you oh. will not be able to yep, attract what you want into your life. We are out of time. We're going to have Dr. Harvey back. I promise you. It has been a <laughs> fabulous interview. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much. I, I enjoy being here. Thank you again. Discover the power within Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Drayvon James, and this is Everyday Peace. Well, we have another fabulous guest with first today. But before we get there, our, our previous guest, Dr. Anna Harvey, um, wanted to give her website, and we ran out of time. I promise she'll be, she'll be back in the beginning of 2022. But her website, if you want to, want to learn more about the work that she does is www.doctor spelled out d o c t o r anna 
A-N-A Harvey, H-A-R-B-E-Y.com. That's DrAnnaHarvey.com. Her book is Only Good Comes to Me. And so with that, I'm excited to introduce you to our second guest of the day, Dr. Karen Jakubowski, uh, affectionately known as Dr. J. And she is going to be talking about mindful practice when working with children. Don't we need that? I mean, we were just saying before the break that, um, or during the break, that a lot of parents are still homeschooling uh, due to the pandemic, and some parents have experienced homeschooling and know they could really use some mindful practicing when working with children because we all want to be great at it. These are our future leaders, and what we do impacts them. So, welcome to the show, Dr. J. Thank you, Dr. James. It's a pleasure to be here with you this evening. Oh, it's so wonderful to have you. And I got to tell you, this is, children are one of my favorite topics. So uh, how did you get oh, started yay. on your journey? <laughs> so I, um, it's so funny. I was set up in my room when I was a kid, my stuffed animals and a chalkboard, and I would teach them. And I knew at a young age that I wanted to be a teacher. And um, it just so happened that I ended up volunteering at a private school one hour a week in their first and second grade class. And a teacher walked by one day and she was like, you know, you're so good with kids. And I was like, I am. I'm just kind of like doing my thing. I don't really know what I'm doing. So like, I got any formal training or whatever. Um, and the more I thought about it, I wanted to give back to kids and help instill in them qualities that I had recognized teachers had um, had a powerful impact on forming and molding who a lot of who I am today. And, um, and so I became a teacher. I taught for several years. Then I was an aspiring principal. So now I'm a principal today of an elementary school. And I just love kids and environment where they love coming to school and learn and a place where the adults love coming and working as well. Oh, that's so beautiful. You say, um, you know, that age of children are, oh, I can remember with my kids and how they would just, you know, hug you around the legs as you walk. And it's, it's, it's beautiful, but it's not all lollipops and sunshine. We know that, um, if we, you know, even in the life of an adult. So we hardly expect Mm -hmm. it to be that way in the life of children. And I love the fact that you have dedicated so much of your career to being, being a resource and and guiding um, parents and children through these difficult times. So um, when students are sent to the principal's office, I, I have to honestly say I'm not bragging. I was not one of those students. <laughs> I, I rarely, I, I, I never saw the inside of my principal's office until I was in junior high school, and it was only one time. It was not some. I was I was a kid that was afraid to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah, I know. Right. I was afraid to get in trouble. But I do know that um, and I have a couple of friends who are principals and I, I volunteer at elementary schools to come in and read. And it is so scary when you're the kid who has to go mm-hmm. and see the principal. So, yeah. What it made is. you give, have a passion for for really being able to help this segment of the child? Experience? So I. I I learned about 12 years ago from Dr. Stuart Ablon out of Harvard. He has a Think Kids program, and he taught six school districts, sent teams to listen to him speak one day 12 years ago, and it forever changed how I dealt with kids because he has a very positive approach that uses a very um, even tone of voice. You don't 
yell at them. You don't raise your voice. You don't have that power struggle, top down, talking down to the kid. And when he shared that, it really synced with with what I really believe to my core of how we should treat each other and kids. Because when I was a kid, unfortunately, I uh, lied. I stole things. I cheated. Like, I was a bad kid. But at times, I actually felt like I was bad, and 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 I had wonderful parents and wonderful, you know, support structure. But but how I interpreted it was that I was bad. And when he had shared this process with us, I was like, I never want a kid to feel bad when they're in trouble because I believe every kid does feel bad, and sometimes they don't show it to us, which makes us feel like, well, they're not remorseful. And I I really don't believe that. I believe deep down inside, no matter what they're showing me they do feel bad for what they did. And it's not my job to make them feel worse. And that can be hard at school because sometimes when a kid does something wrong or bad, it's hard for the teacher not to take it personally. Like it, it they, 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 there's emotions there. Things get charged. Or when your child does something and as a parent, you're like, I taught you not to do that. Why are you doing that? Um, you know, that sort of thing. So it's a very simple approach that when when they come to my office, I won't talk to them until I use the term they're calm and in control of their body. And this goes for parents, too. I really challenge my parents in the six-week course I'm teaching right now. Our first lesson is mom, dad, caregiver, commit to yourself and practice this week. You're going to wait till you're calm and in control of your body. You're going to take a deep breath till you can talk to your child in an even tone of voice and not yell at them when you're ready to speak with them. And the other key is to wait till the child is calm and in control. And then I use a very simple, I call it my elevator tone of voice, where I'll tell a kid who got in trouble from the playground, you know, hey, I heard, you know, you kicked Johnny on the playground. What's up with that? And I ask them these questions like that with this tone of voice And slowly over time, the kid realizes they can be safe. It's a safe enough environment to really open up about what really went on. And nine times out of ten, Dr. James, it is like a story that was like not even related to the incident. It was like, you know, my dad yelled at me. We were rushing out the door. I didn't finish my breakfast this morning. Or uh, sometimes I've had kids say things like that. And so it's a very – you use a certain tone of voice, a certain type of questioning, and I teach parents this in my course. But even if you just pick up on a couple of these things and start trying it, see if that doesn't help improve that connection you have with your kid when they're when they're struggling or they have a, a difficult moment. Oh, I I love that. And as you're saying that, you know, I I coach adults, and I think that's something that um, everybody can can benefit from. You know, uh, calming down and getting in control of your body, right? Because a lot of times, and yeah. and I bet this is true when dealing with children too. We're so out of control of our body and so unaware. Right. And mm-hmm. um, that when we can re- reconnect and ground ourselves, if you will, we'll, and get our breathing and all of that, we realize, oh, wait a second. You know, I'm here. You're here. This place is actually safe. It sort of de- mm-hmm. decreases that that um, stress overload and, and all the cortisol dump. So it get, kind of gets yeah. you grounded again. Right? And I love the elevator voice, but I have to ask this. What happens if, you know, in the, you, you have this elevator voice and, and, and it brings the, people, the person down, the parent, the child, and all of a sudden in the middle of it, they're calm, but then they spike up again. Do, do we go to revert back to the calm and get control of your body and just pause? 
uh, sometimes I'll look at them and say, it looks like you need some more time to get calm and in control of your body. And so I'll, I'll sort of separate myself from them, but I'll always keep them in my peripheral vision, but I never stare at them because that feels makes anyone feel really uncomfortable. And so I, I've learned that over time. Like I just keep them in my peripheral and I let it, let them, you know, you can't force a child to calm down faster than they're going to calm down, which is really hard for us um, to, you know, wait, wait that time out. And sometimes that doesn't always work. I mean, sometimes you're in the moment and you need to get going or get out the door or you, you know, I, there's time, 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 times where you're like, you don't have the time to let them get calm. But if and when you do or you have that space and that time, you just, you know, recognize that in that tone of voice as well. There's no judgment. You know, and sometimes with kids, I'll, I'll set a timer, a visual timer, and I'll, I'll hold it or I'll place it in a place where they can see it. Just to, like, I'll start with two minutes. And then after two minutes, if, if, if they seem calm and they're not yelling or they are kind of able to talk, you know, we'll, we'll try it again. Um, but a lot of times I, like when a kid came in in trouble from recess and sometimes they go to lunch, I would let that kid go to lunch as much as that, that was hard for the teacher because they just wanted them to get that punitive feeling right now. You're going to see the principal because that was wrong. And they, they feel that's going to like bring more weight to the situation. And I, I kind of joke, even though it's not that funny, outside and privately to teachers, I'm like, even people in prison get to eat. Like, yes, they're going to go eat. And when they're calm and they're in control of their body, you know, they'll come back and we'll talk about it. So so parents, like the, the best tool you might take from this call is don't deal with it right in the moment when your child's upset. If you just shift that one thing in your going forward you will get a better return when you do need to talk to your child. And sometimes I would look at a child and be like, I'm really upset and unhappy to hear, and it really hurts when I heard what, what you did. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I'll talk to you a little bit later. And that just tears kids up because they're, they don't know what's going to happen, right? Or sometimes you say that, like, well, we'll wait till your father comes home. Like, if you don't know what to say or you both need that time out – you can use those phrases because I would only talk to a kid when they're calm and in control. That might be 10 minutes later, an hour later. Sometimes the kids don't even know why they did what they did and they're still worked up over it. But I'll come back to it, hopefully within that day, because you don't want too much time to go. Um, and you ask them and then you ask the question again, like, I heard or I noticed, you know, that you, you know, threw, threw the kid's paper on the floor or ripped it. What's up with that? And and most times they'll say, I don't know, or they'll shrug their shoulders. That's always nine times out of ten what they do. And then you come back with a question of, if you did know, what would you say? And they look at you like you have two heads. Because even when I learned that phrase, I was like, what did you just say? But it, And I ask it again. And you wait that impregnable pause, and you give them time to think and respond. Just cut out all of our additional verbiage, we end up like just da 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 talking, talking, talking. Just quiet yourself down and give your child that time to think and respond. And it's amazing what they start coming out with of why something really happened or maybe there was something more to the story than we really knew in the moment. Oh, and this leads me in at, and you just answered this question for me, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, you talk about connection before correction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, that's so... The, yeah, just yeah, talk a little bit about that. You know, even though I, I got it when you just said all that, it's clear there's a bell to me. But, you know, why why is that so important um, for a parent or for a teacher or authority figure in a child's life? 
Yeah, because, um, well, I'll give you a story to explain why connect before correct is something I I work with my teachers on, and I just, uh, it's at the core of everything I do. So when I was a system principal, I would obviously get all the behavior referrals and have to talk to the kids, and the same kids would get written up, kind of, typically, you'd get your, you know, high flyers, they call them, and I... They, you know, they're always in trouble. Like, they can never be good enough. Like, whenever they go back to class, like, they, then they just have this whole, you know, they're seen as that kid. And, and, and that just bothered me. Like, I, I never loved that. And because I was kind of not kind of a not so great kid, I kind of knew how they felt. And I, I hated that feeling. So what I did as assistant principal was I ended up having lunch every week with the kids in the school with the most referrals. And it's amazing. Kindergarten to fifth grade. Everyone loves the game Uno. So they could bring one friend, and I would play. We would eat our lunch together, and we would play Uno. And we would laugh, and I was just like a kid with them. Like, we just had the best of times. And why was I doing that? Because I was creating that connection. So when I had to correct them the next time they did something wrong, because they were the same kids getting in trouble, now we had a relationship built. Now we had a trust built. And when I had to say, hey, this is not X, Y, and Z, you know, nine times out of 10, they were starting to learn from what they were doing wrong to the point where I ended up giving leadership opportunities to these kids, changing how they saw themselves. The one kid who got the most reps in school, he ended up being our tour greeter when we had tours, and he was like the mayor of the school. He was just telling them, talking up a storm, and for the first time, the ladies in the office saw a kid whose superpower was coming out in face of him sitting in the office in trouble, which had been nine times out of ten the months before. So that's my whole passion around this because you can change, you can literally change the trajectory of a kid's life. They don't have, it doesn't have to define who they are and who they'll be the rest of their life. But how many times do you see that happening the opposite of? Yes. And it's so important what you just said too, right? Because that you're not defined by that one mistake. Could you imagine if we as adults right now today were oh. defined by the, the one thing we wish we hadn't said or being late to the right. meeting, we can't have our whole career or our whole existence defined by that one thing. And oftentimes we do that to children. And I love this connection before correction, because really it, this whole, you know, my pastor at church always says it's all about relationship. Right. And mm, really, it yeah. is right. You can really use these as you have done, you know, with the Uno and the lunch. You've used these challenging circumstances as a way to build a deeper connection, a deeper, more meaningful relationship. And I, I would say that probably that kid leaves the school with even more connection than the yeah. kid who, like myself, who never went to the principal's office and I had, you know, was never connected, right. never got the chance to yeah. be the mayor right. of the school. How amazing yeah. is that? <laughs> right? Yeah. But because you know his name and you get to know him or her. And that's pretty, That's it's not like I know you just because, oh my gosh, you're, you're like, as you said, a frequent flyer. I know you because you're special, because you're important, because, you know, it's a, it makes a huge difference. So I, I totally, I totally agree with this. Now, for years, we know that kids are struggling, um, have, even back when I was a child, right, struggle behaviorally and right. emotionally and academically. Um, th th that is ongoing. Um, what was the game changer? What What is, I guess, what is the game, the, the, is there a magic bullet, I guess is a better way to say it. Is there some way to make 
their experience academically for those who are struggling with behavior, struggling emotionally, struggling with academics, you know, so that they do walk away feeling like, even if I didn't get the A's or the B's, even if I am, you know, have behavior that's a little bit different, to walk away feeling like my experience here has encouraged me to continue in my learning and my developing. Yeah, and and for parents on the call, you know, maybe you have a kid or you know a kid in a school and maybe they do or don't have like this kind of support system set up or or kind of deal in this way because this approach is is very unique. When people meet me, they're like, you're the principal, but you're like the nicest person we ever met. And I'm like, yeah. I'm 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 a nice principal. Like I'm I, I I can't yell at people. I'm not angry. I'm not mean. And so maybe if if maybe that's not the situation for you or your child or someone you know in a school and and a child you know is struggling. One thing you can ask the teacher for is a mentor in the school. Mentors are powerful. They are the person who will see the positive in your child. Where maybe they're going to school every day and the feedback is not so positive because of what they're doing. That is, gosh, they're doing the best they can, but it's. There's a lot we require of kids to do these days, um, and it, it, it can be really hard on them. Um, so I always share that with parents. Like, ask, ask, ask for a mentor. Ask for the school counselor to have, like, a lunch bunch with your kid because any of those positive influences, they say it takes seven, a kid to have seven connections with other adults in a school for them to feel connected and, like, I'm a part, I value. Like, that's a lot of people. <laughs> um and yeah. so I I mean I I can only speak from my experience for for what I did with the kids like this 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 one kid he um he he was quiet and in kindergarten he stole from the art teacher and we didn't know why he stole things but I used this process with him never talked down to him never raised my voice never got angry just hey I heard you took some items like what's up with that and and then you know we we would ask him at the end what do you think you could do to make this right? And that's a really powerful phrase to use with your child or a student. Like, have them come up with what they think could help mend that situation. Um, that was super powerful. And then in, in first grade, he was quiet. I would sit with him while he was eating breakfast in, outside his classroom. And he would never say much. I'd probably sit there and talk to myself most of the time. <laughs> but do you know? And then in third grade, he destroyed one of the teacher's carpets with charcoal. And she was so mad. And I didn't get mad at him. I was like, what, what you know, I, know, I heard you did that. What's up with that? And he was just being a kid, being, doing something stupid. Like, he really... You know, that time it really wasn't didn't wasn't because of like huge story behind that, you know, but I always treated him the same every year after year after year. And in fifth grade, he I knew he was techie. So I would make him turn on our announcements with our computer every morning. And would you know, he kind of like stood up taller and he his whole affect just 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 changed more positive. And the fifth grade boys would be like, hey, tech guy. And he was the guy who was always in trouble all these years growing up in school. And yet that fifth grade year, he was cool. And he, the guys called him tech guy, you know, and, and you just never know what difference. And we have the, we have that power. <laughs> we have that yeah. power as adults, parents, caretakers, teachers, what have you. Oh, you know, what would be so interesting to me is if you could follow up with some of these children and find out, you know, oh, where, that. where their life because I I just saw that you know this guy could probably end up being a VP in some high tech yes. you know or, because you know of this experience it. that that you 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 breathe life into him 
right? Where yeah. someone could have torn down his spirit and his soul, right? But you took right. you took this opportunity to breathe life into him. And now he's walking through the school and they're referring to him as tech guy. How amazing is that? There is an opportunity. I, I think what I'm hearing is um, there's an opportunity when given the choice to present with something other than love choose love and i was going to say hate or judgment yeah. but just just choose love and that sounds like what you've done over and over and over again and i can imagine we're talking here in a lovely calm environment but as you mentioned i can imagine that there are times when it's difficult to do that when teachers have a different expectation of you other parents who feel like well no i want you to take a different stance with this particular child because of you know the stealing or because of this or because of that but i applaud you for um, sticking to this approach, because I know that this is the way that we impact the world for good. I know that yes. it is. Yes. And and Dr. James, like I would be going to get a kid from lunch, to have lunch with them. And I remember to this day, one of the teachers just looking at me going, you're not going to reward him, are you? As if lunch with the assistant principal was an award, right? Because that's how they saw mm-hmm. it at the moment, because that's, that's a big mm-hmm. deal if anybody ever got to do that, right? And you know what I, I had to say to her? I had to say, it's an intervention. Like, I had to make up <laughs> and make it sound like it was for a certain reason and purpose because of, you know, they had, they, because they were like the bad kid, you know what I mean? But, but, but that's how sometimes they get labeled and they get seen and, and it doesn't have to be that way. Like, yes, there's a consequence and I'm sorry you're going to be suspended because you peed on the wall or whatever it is that you did that these kids do, but, but they're not going to feel that from me that you were a bad, bad person. And I, and I would have to tell kids because I wish someone told me, you're not bad. What you did, and I use the word unexpected. I really like using that because misbehave is like, well, what does that really mean? But unexpected, it kind of was like, oh, well, yeah, that was like not what I really should be doing. Um, and, and, and so I, I really would work at telling kids that so that they didn't walk away feeling like they were bad, where then it goes to low self-esteem and low self-confidence. And then, oh, my gosh, we have a whole host of other issues to have to help them with for the rest of their life. Oh, my goodness. You're right. You're so right. You just, you just hit the nail on the head, right? If we, if we get to the beginning, if we're at the beginning of this and we handle this in a certain way, we can prevent a lot of future problems. And we're almost out of time. Um, I, what, we're going to talk about your website. I don't want to, I don't want to miss that because you have some freebies on there and ways people can connect with you. What is that website and what can our listeners find there? Yes, so www.educationalimpactacademy, educationalimpactacademy.com, or find me on Facebook, Karn Jakabowski, Twitter, Instagram, private message me, I'll, I'll send it to you. Because on the front page, you can put your email in to be on my email list so you can hear all the upcoming events and trainings and, and free things we want to share with parents. But you get my my video series. It's a short video series on three steps to happy kids, and it walks you through this process. You could watch it as much as you want. Take notes. Write it down. Use those words and phrases with your child and, and see if it doesn't start bringing successful you know results within your relationship with your child when they're having a challenging moment. And, and I have a podcast, true. Momnificent. <laughs> Say that you have a podcast, Mom. Sorry, I have a podcast also called Momnificent. 
oh, Momnificent, or you, or you can it. look for Karen Jakubowski, or the link is on my website too. And it's all about giving tips. And I interview uh, people twice a week to just give parents quick, easy tips, takeaways to improve your life, help you as a parent, caregiver, grandparent, and in raising your kids. And that's so important too, I think that uh, having a support network, we've lived in, the world is so busy and the impact of COVID and the quarantine and all that, it's, the world hasn't slowed down and it's just as busy, but we're not as connected. And being part of a support group, especially when you're a parent, is so necessary because it can feel so isolated and alone, like you're yeah. on an island by yourself, especially if you have a child uh, who may be having a few challenges. I know I was listening to yes. something uh, the other day and someone said it's so easy to parent a child that has doesn't get, you know have any issues but you know yeah. those of us who parent real children know that we have real issues and so do children and it's okay it's it's okay yeah. learning how to navigate those okay. and having a strong support system makes all the difference and give us that website just one more time uh-huh it's educationalimpactacademy.com www.educational impactacademy.com, or you can just Google my name, Karin, K-A-R-I-N, Jakubowski, J-A-K-U-B as in boy, O-W-S-K-I. Well, our guest today has been talking to us about how to positively impact our the children in our life. I'm Dr. Drayvon James. I'm super excited to partner with you all every Monday as we discover how to build a life of peace every day. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.